Hello and welcome to another edition of Morning Hoops Basketball Podcast. I am Anthony Denou. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Denou. He is Kyle McEwen. You can find him on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm tight, man. How are you living? Doing good, man. Doing good. <laughs> uh, we... <laughs> Are you giggling about the question you asked? No, I was I was working on something in the background, and so when you were asking me a question, I wasn't really listening to you as much as I was trying to get something set up for us. And then I started to ask myself, can we share an athletic article on the podcast, like on the screen, considering it's a, a four-page site? So then I was going over that dilemma in my head. Uh, I understand. Yeah. I know what article you speak of. Uh, we'll get there in just a little bit. Should we get right into the some weekend news? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, David Fisdale fired on Friday. So we have our first coach firing of the year. You tweeted last week about how it was almost a foregone conclusion that Fisdale was going to be fired, him and likely Boylan at some point. But uh, starting with Fisdale... Uh, Mike Miller's going to take over now, and what do you, I mean, you were not a fan of Fisdale from the get-go, but the pieces never really seem to fit what a basketball team should be with all the power fours they have. Oh yeah, the the front office has been, you got to go all the way up to the top, and the top is James Dolan, the owner, and since he's been the owner of the team, they've been terrible because even when they've been on a good path and loading up on assets and creating a, a team that fit the coach they had when they had Dan Tony and they had Daniel Gallinari, Wilson Chandler. And then they decided, well, Carmelo wants to come to New York. If we can get Carmelo, let's trade everything we have, everything that we've built up. I think it was Donnie Nelson at the time who, who or <clears throat> Don Nelson. I, no, not Don Nelson. Anyways, I can't remember exactly who it was, but um, they, they just, they ruined it for him. So now we've seen that persist with Steve Mills in the front office for the Knicks. Now, the, the most interesting thing about Fisdale getting fired are there is that there are reports that the team is finally looking to minimize Steve Mills' role going forward and that we're actually going to see maybe someone like Masai Ujiri get paid enough money to go in there and really take over. But if a guy, a guy like Masai Ujiri is so intelligent and smart in, in considerations of um, knowing not to put himself in a position to fail – that if he takes over that job, I'm sure it's going to be with either just an absurd amount of money for an absurd amount of years that you don't usually see for a president or GM. And there's got to be assurances from uh, from James Dolan that he's not going to put his thumb on the scale on anything or or come into the office and start demanding this or that happen with the team. So what's next I mean, for Mike Miller to take over? There's really nothing that's going to make this team. This is not team... Mike Miller, former rookie of the year. It's uh, okay. So this is just a coach, an assistant coach. He was coaching down in the G League for the Knicks recently. They brought him up, put him on Fisdale's staff. And, and now uh, Keith Smart, I believe, was the head assistant for Fisdale, but they fired Keith Smart in pairing with, with Fisdale. So then they handed the job to Mike Miller. Mike Miller started the same starting lineup that Fisdale had been using, even though Fisdale said at the practice. So th th one of the contentious things that the media has been bringing up is how just uh, uh, unprofessional the Knicks are as an organization and how they always shoot themselves in the foot PR wise by doing stuff like responding to Richard Jefferson's story the other day where J Richard Jefferson was like, you know, the, the Knicks, when the Knicks offered me a contract, I knew it was time to retire. And then the Knicks actually 
gave a PR response to that the next day to be like, we never actually offered him a contract. And it's just like, dudes, it was a joke. He's the color analyst on the, uh, you know, on a broadcast. Like he's supposed to crack jokes. It's have you not listened to Richard Jefferson on a, a Nets broadcast yet this year? So anyways, just ridiculous stuff from, from the Knicks. And they, what they did with Fisdale on, on the day of his firing is they let him come in after he lost by 40 points or, in two straight games being down 40 points, having both of those games happen back to back. It was a lot of the, the media was tweeting out like Fisdale's gone. He's you, you don't survive two games like this because it just doesn't happen historically. So the, the, the writing was on the wall, but they still let Fisdale or made Fisdale come in the next day, run the practice as if he was going to coach the next game. And then after lunch, they decided, all right, we're going to we're going to dump them. And of course, we all got the, the woge bomb about that. But I, as far as where it goes, I, I'm, I, I don't know that we have a lot of hope for right now until they get somebody new in the front office like Mike Miller being put into position by the same front office staff that put Fisdale into position. And it, it's just hard to expect that there's going to be a big change in what the team does. Although they did just get Alfred Payton back, so maybe we see some changes to the rotation going forward. And hopefully they, they look at what they have and where they are in the standings right now and just say, all right, as much as we want, we thought we were going to try and compete this season, hopefully they just commit to the future and start playing guys like Kevin Knox more than what they have been. Because having Marcus Morris go out there and play a bunch, the only reason you even do that right now is if you're trying to build up his trade value to get back a, you know, a better pick from somebody. All right, so let's talk about David Fisdale's angle in all this. This is his second time being the head coach, and now he's without a job already again. Just a few years ago, he was one of the top assistants in the league under Spolstra and during the LeBron Heat era. What's next for him? Is he base is is he now going to have like is he now a career assistant coach? I mean, is this it for him in terms of being a head coach? You never know because you just got to find one front office or one owner who thinks that you've got the stuff. And it's all about narratives too. You, you go to a, a certain team, you coach on a certain staff and they become successful. And then by proxy, you become part of that narrative. So it, it just depends. Um, I wasn't a big fan of what Luke Walton did with the Lakers, but the Sacramento Kings were like, what you're letting him go. Let us get him." So you know, and I've never, I was never really a fan of Dave Yeager to in a lot of respects. But as soon as the Grizzlies let him go, the Kings were snatching him up. Granted, that's weird that I just referenced the same team for two different coaches getting snatched up, um, and not liking them. But um, as far as Fisdale, it's hard, man. I, you know, I'm I'm very critical of his decision making and his uh, his the way he ran his rotations with with the Knicks over the last two years. So. And looking back to the Grizzlies, you see some of those same same foibles that I think he had in his decision-making processes that uh, carried over to the Knicks. Now, the, to the Knicks, there just wasn't as much talent there. and But I still feel like the, the talent that he did have, he could have done better things with it. I think that's fair to say. Uh, he wasn't put in a good situation, but as you said, the rotations, the starting three power forwards in the front court – it's just a really weird way to go about things, and that's this is how things go in the NBA. We, you really thought this was going to happen from the get-go this season. 
Oh, I think there's a lot. I mean, a lot of people, when Julius Randle first got signed in the summer, everybody said, whoa, that's an interesting signing. He's a, an interesting fit. A, a lot of people liked the RJ Barrett pick, even though RJ Barrett struggled in summer league. But I, um, yeah, once they signed Bobby Portis, once they signed Taj Gibson, it was just, once they brought in Alfred Payton, you just kind of looked at who they had and, and how it was going to make Fisdale's decision-making process harder too. Because if you have Frank Nilakina and Dennis Smith Jr. as your primary uh, point guards, and then you can look at your third point guard as being like an Alonzo Trier or Kadeem Allen, who's your two-way player, guys that you can turn to in those situations. No, you you threw in Alfred Payton to this mix, a, a point guard who plays very similar par- game to what Julius Randle plays as a power forward. And then you've got RJ Barrett, whose best use in the NBA or as a as a player is having the ball in his hands, playmaking, going to the rim off the dribble. He's not somebody you have running off the ball. He's not somebody you rely on as a consistent shooter. So now you're just having this propensity of similar talents. And in this NBA atmosphere, you're not putting any shooting around all these drivers. What are you doing? And then you don't. And then you don't have any guys who are considered stellar defenders out on the perimeter. So what do you do? You leave your best rim protector and perimeter defender in Mitchell Robinson on the bench instead of starting him. A lot of things that just don't make sense, but you knew that some of these, uh, these rotation uh, stumbles or roadblocks that were put there by the front office weren't all of Fisdale's faults. Like you, like just because there's a consistency of opinion in the in the media or on Twitter about how the the Knicks may want to be doing things, there's the, the politics of actually being the coach and having these guys on the roster. Uh, uh, the the ideas from the front office about who should be playing and how it sh- you know how you should be competing, all these kind of things. like there's a lot more to to how to to where you end up coming to uh, um, your decisions at the end than than what we all think. So that's uh, one coach down in the NBA. We have our theories of who might be next. We've already talked about Jim Boylan on the Bulls quite a bit on this show. Uh, but uh, John Beeline, someone whose name came up over the weekend, and uh, an interesting story here. You want to tell us a little bit more about what's going on in Cleveland? Yeah, uh, Joe Varden and Sham Sharania wrote a story on The Athletic that was about essentially like a player revolt uh, on John Beeline saying that he uses terminology that is uh, outdated or too juvenile or too collegey for, for NBA vets. But this team has a bunch of young guys and then it's got a couple of old guys or quite a few old guys in Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. Now it's an oddly put together team. We we've I think everybody expects Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson to be on the trade block, as well as guys like Matthew Delvadova potentially or or a Brandon Knight. Like this team is fully leaned into into their youth in a lot of ways. Now a lot of Cleveland people say Tristan Thompson's not going anywhere, which I think is interesting to be reading through on Twitter, but we'll see how that goes. Um, some of the quotes from this article in the athletic were pretty shocking. Uh, here's the first one guys drowned out his voice. And when guys start searching for the next in line for help, I believe you've lost them. One Cavs player said, then two more quotes, the little things become big things. And sometimes very big things. Another player said, and finally, our assistants are definitely more prepared for the NBA. A third said, 
So I guess, how do you react to these quotes? Is, is there anything about them that sticks out in regards to whether or not they come from players or potentially even maybe coming from a coach? It doesn't paint a good picture, man. I mean, anytime like that, that phrasing where you're really just, they're just out there doing whatever they want in a lot of ways or not taking in any information. And if you're the first year coach, or is it his second year? No, this is his, he just got hired this, this is, off season okay. from out That's of Michigan because right, Jawan Howard took over at Michigan. Yep. That's right. With the, uh, the crying press conference. <laughs> um, so that's tough, man. It's pretty early in his coaching career to be dealing with this kind of stuff and a team that you think would at least give him a shot because they don't, like you said, they have a couple proven guys, but beyond that, it's, and the product they're putting out there is, is also not very good. It's not very entertaining and it's, they're, you, they're in a so, rough spot no matter what. And I mean, you're, you're, you're bringing back Kevin Love who missed a lot of last season due to injury. Um, You've got Tristan Thompson, who was injured coming into the season. Uh, or no, I believe he did. He missed some time. But um, this is, you got Darius Garland starting at point guard. You've got Colin Sexton, an undersized guy who you drafted just last season. Now he's a sophomore. You played him at point guard all year. Now you're trying to get him to play shooting guard. Um, but you're still allowing him and, 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 and cajoling him to become a better distributor, which is just there's like a confusion of a lot of things, as well as trying to integrate a coach who is going through his rookie season in the NBA, even though he's an older guy. And, and yeah, some of the some of the weird choices that that um, Beeline might make in regards to his terminology, like one of the things they talked about was one of the things being one of their plays being named polar bear. Uh, a curl is a polar bear in beeline system. And uh, the quote here was, you don't go to pro to do that kind of thing. And it's one league source said, so it doesn't say, um, you know, a player, this right. could be an agent or a coach or, you know, anybody in the league who right. someone from the front office, if they want to paint beeline in a bad way, because maybe even the Cavs GM is regretting hiring beeline. And he's saying to himself, like, oh my gosh, how can I, how can I put out some kind of PR that's going to make it look like this isn't my fault and, and not something I could have expected coming in? I have. So uh, right off the bat, Beeline to me, I didn't I didn't see him being a good fit in the NBA. Of all the college coaches to make the step, he was not somebody that would have been on my radar. I just don't see him getting the hold of young NBA stars. Um, here's the, Nick the similarity. Trey Burke. Here, Mo Here, Wagner. Here's the similarities. <laughs> See, you've, you've left out my two favorites, Jordan Poole and uh, DJ Wilson. Um, oh, right. So, Karis Levert. Right there, you yeah, go. I mean, look, these may not be big names, but that's a lot of guys to come from his recruitings. It, it is, and we no, didn't and even he, mention Mitch uh, McCready. Right, and he was great at uh, was it West Virginia before Michigan? I mean, he's he's a very good coach. Yeah, no, um, he's 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 been successful everywhere he's gone at every level. He built himself up from like you know a high school coach to just climbing the ranks. So f there's a lot of fun things to to look at from Beeline. Now his system in the in college was more of a modern system. It was a spread them out, shoot a bunch of threes thing, and he was he was doing that for a long time. So I think that's one reason why he appealed in, in regards to potentially coaching in the NBA. Um, I just. I think it's all just all too early for, for this kind of a piece to be coming out. And any, any of the guys on that team that 
aren't understanding their their spot on the team, whether it's Jordan Clarkson or um, Kevin Love, who has he he actually went on. It was after their last game, after a big loss. Kevin Love getting interviewed after the game. Somebody asked, you know, what do you think happened in this game? And he just flat out said, "We sucked." And um, and then he went on and on about not really knowing what we what they need to fix. This also came after the fact, though, that Kevin Love was reported to be on the trade block by Wojnarowski uh, on live TV. So there, there's a lot of things going on with this team where it's like you can't necessarily just point to the coach and say he's he's the sole reason for the team struggling. One similarity there is, I think, between Fizdale and the Beeline situation is just having weird pieces, and yep. that goes back to the the sex land experiment yeah absolutely so, I, looking at those two guards and saying well we drafted them high so they're going to be cj mccullum and dame lillard it's like uh <laughs> no well they're they're even smaller than the than the portland backcourt and yeah. the portland backcourt is you would say they're both average sized point guards but to you know have them both play in a so similarly but then it's a know, delusional idea yeah Co- kobe altman <clears throat> made a mistake there. Maybe he'll prove prove us wrong or prove me wrong, but I think it was just like a bald face from from the get go. Drafting Colin Sexton where they did last season was just like, what are you doing? That's that's not the guy you start your build around with. He's someone you you draft at like the the you know maybe the twentieth pick because you look at him and you go, he's going to come in. He's going to be our sixth man. He's going to score for us. He's going to do it efficiently. He's essentially going to be the next Lou Williams. You start looking at him as maybe being that, but like that's an absurd. That's 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 an, that's an insult to Lou Williams to compare Colin Sex to him right now. Um. So I guess one other thing to talk about from this Beeline situation is the fact that. Uh, you had Larry Nance come out and and defend Beeline and talk about the fact that like he was surprised to see some of these quotes that came out. Didn't deny the fact that they were real though, um, mm-hmm. saying that like he's never had a problem with any of his head coaches and like you know he you know he's had several coaches and and every coach is different and he just kind of was very explanatory about the situations as well as someone who surprised me, Tristan Thompson gave an interview and was very insightful about his responses in regard to this whole situation. He didn't necessarily, I think, know that it was happening based on his reactions in the video, but when shared the concerns uh, given in the article, Thompson was like, man, I don't know why anybody would be doing that. And then he explained in how like, um, Essentially, he just made it very clear. Like, so certain concerns that that were voiced in the article, like um, guys going to the second in line or going to JB Bickerstaff, the 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 head assistant coach. He was like, "That's normal." John Beeline's the head coach. He's in charge of so many different things, thinking about so many different aspects. That's why you have assistant coaches, is because you can't you can't have all fifteen guys going to the head coach every single game asking all these different questions. He's got a lot of stuff he's trying to think about and then delegate all those different duties to so that we do have all the, the bases covered. He can't be the first, the point man to go talk to all the time for every single player. So like, that's completely normal. So I don't know why anybody would even bring that up. And like hearing that from a, from a player is awesome because then it makes you, it makes you look at the situation completely differently. And, and, and it kind of makes you question the person who was given the quote saying like, what's their motivation for, for painting beeline in this way. Uh, someone had a 
funny tweet in a response to you about JB Bickerstaff being the issue here because it's literally his name. Oh yeah, that was that was funny. Um, that was a funny tweet. I don't know if it needs more explanation than what you just gave. Yeah, that's good. Bickerstaff, um, he's part of the staff. He's very, yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, part of this whole debacle, I guess, was involved uh, in this potential Kevin Love trade. Do you have a preferred destination that you'd like to see him go to? I don't. I, I think that you you might see a team that's desperate to try to, who's not really out of the playoffs, but a lot of people kind of think they're 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 faltering, like the Chicago Bulls. Maybe they trade Lowry Markinen for Kevin Love because they see the opportunity to try to seize the moment, you know. But um, it's it's tough to find a spot for Kevin Love because how much does he even bring back in a trade with his bigger contract and the uncertainty of his health? And his mental state, not not to question his mental state, but just like there's there's this this seems like he's not happy right now. And and that might just be because he's on the calves and losing by a lot of points every night. But there's also kind of been this general question of whether or not he actually is, you know, loves basketball or if he just, you know, is playing his job. So um I think it's I think it's interesting. Do you have any kind of hot spots that you that you're looking at for Kevin Love saying like oh that would be a good a good landing spot for him? I well I thought that Portland would be it's been talked about forever but now with Carmelo that seems extremely unlikely. I think Phoenix is very you know, interesting. Did you mention last he, year though or last week though that Carmelo could maybe shift down to a small forward? I yeah. It, and yeah, with Rodney and Hood going out for the season with his Achilles injury, maybe it's then maybe, maybe it's not it's as crazy as possible. we thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I guess the the Rodney Hood injury also is. Yeah, I mean, I think that news from the week. Yeah, it's a little bit of. I mean, it's a big bummer to, to see him go down with an injury. Um, and this was another issue though, where he had Achilles soreness the game before, decided to play through the issue the next game, just like Kevin Durant did, and then ended up tearing his Achilles. So I think that's something that we might see teams be way more cautious with going yeah. forward, um, particularly because we had two instances in such a short period of time. Um, but you were saying other, another team that that stood out to you as a potential Kevin Love destination is uh, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I really like Phoenix, that potential there. They've always run that up-tempo, shoot-a-lot-of-threes style forever, and I think he fits that so well. Not necessarily a great defender, but could get a ton of rebounds. You could see him maybe going back a little bit more similar to his to his uh, Minnesota Timberwolves days and some of those stats in an up-tempo style, certainly not the, the size he was at. But that could be a lot of fun with the – think about Love and Booker playing together i think that would be really entertaining also you would have another established veteran on a very young team that has already exceeded expectations so if you're the suns this also you puts you way ahead of your original timeline because this year was a lottery year in most people's heads don't you think yeah absolutely and then uh rubio and love getting back together so that would be fun to watch right they didn't they get to play a, a season or two together in the with the timberwolves yes. yep that is correct so. um uh let's see b to the o oh okay bby i uh, said what about okc that's an interesting proposition absolutely um and, and you know both these teams whether it's tyler johnson's contract with the with the Suns would help facilitate that or daniel gallinari or man 
Daniel Gallinari going to the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Cavs would just be looking for. I, I don't think Gallinari has much more, many more years on his contract. So, um, yeah, okay. See, Kevin Love. The, the the one thing about that is, like, if if OKC was trading for Kevin Love, would they be trying to get rid of Chris Paul's contract? Because I can't imagine the Cavs would want Chris Paul, but then maybe they would want somebody with his name to keep bringing seats in. So, hmm. It's an interesting uh, situation. I, maybe that is something that's that's uh, we could see happen. Well, speaking of the Suns, maybe one of the highlights of the weekend was uh, a little run-in between Harden and Devin Booker on a breakaway layup. And in my opinion, Harden was basically putting the ball and almost shoving Booker, who was already backpedaling on his heels. It was completely unnecessary. Booker was going for a foul though to make sure you wrap them up um what did you think about this play and we'll get to the aftermath in a moment uh you know booker did have him like wrapped around the shoulders so that's and then and then the ball comes up and harden pushes booker back look man it's a it's not a big deal in the in the grand scheme of things right like they were both playing hard and and Harden is one of the best players at using his body, putting the ball out there, drawing fouls. And Booker said, I'm not going to let you get a foul on me and a shot. So that was great defense from Booker. Harden took exception to it because it was a little bit more physical than he usually gets. But, you know, he's got a, he's got a strong, strong uh, torso there. He's able to take <clears throat> those hits. So I'm not – I just think it was good basketball, man. That's That's just fun stuff. Yeah, and some of this is my bias towards James uh, James Harden, but the fun Harden uh, or the exciting Harden you've you've started to call him, right? Yeah, all oh, Booker is the exciting Harden in my opinion, and James Harden is just the regular James Harden. But he, because he gets does this thing where he tries to wrap up people's arms and draw fouls that way, that's why I think this looked a little bit more harsh than if it was any other player. Yeah, in the moment, I can see people being like, oh, you know, whatever. And they did get in each other's faces afterwards. But uh, it's just. It's yeah, just so what did, what did you think about that? Not that big that? of a deal. You know? so, okay, so Booker ran up back up to him, and there was a, a small argument there. Booker seemed pretty. He didn't run up, I should say. He he seemed to walk up pretty calmly. And James Harden didn't like what Booker said. And oh, uh, that's when Booker they talks, started a kind of a hissy fit. Booker supposedly talks a lot of trash. And right. and there's stories out there about Booker getting playing with his dad growing up. And his dad played in the G League. Um, and that's that's where he met his mom in Grand Rapids, Michigan, while he was playing for the G League there. Um, and uh, but Booker, yeah, Booker used to play with his dad and with grown men. And he, his dad, would like tell the other the other grown men, the other professionals, he'd like beat him up, like treat him like any other player, because he wanted Booker to know what it meant to take the hits, so that he could play the game while taking those hits. And that's why Booker, just like kind of Harding, he doesn't necessarily shy away from contact, and he likes to play kind of a a, a bangum game in the post sometimes, like we'd see, you know, post moves from Kobe too. Um, all right, this will be my <clears throat> final question for you on this matter for the time being until these two teams match up again. Both players are 6'5". James Harden is winning the weight battle here, I think, by 15 pounds. I believe it's 225 for Harden, 210 for Booker. Who wins in a fight? Uh, I mean, I think Booker has reach. 
beard uh harden has that beard though yeah so his like, chin if, is protected yeah and that that protects your neck just like wu-tang says right there you go um i think it was wu-tang um, yes it is a hundred yes absolutely yeah, and that's what the beard does people don't realize it it's not just like for looking handsome it like people come at you with a knife and they try to slit you from behind your beard protects you protect your neck um you get popped in the face there's a little bit of cushion there to help you stop from getting knocked out and just falling back so um harden definitely has that plus there's the whole wizard aspect of like the more hair you have the more strong you are uh, spiritually um <laughs> just research it <laughs> uh no i i think i think i'd lean on ah man you know what though booker looks like he would lean into his punches more harden looks like he'd be doing those carmelo punches where you're going like this the tush push no the, 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 though. you, you don't want to get hit man. back thing so you just swing your arm yeah, out and, right anyways Harden's a flopper. I think Booker would win, even though he's down 15 pounds in this, supposedly. Yeah, Booker would end up doing some Mike Tyson stuff, like biting part of Harden's beard off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we appreciate you guys joining us. We're doing a live stream right now on YouTube and on Twitter. I'm Anthony Danu. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Danu. He's Kyle McEwen, and you can find him on Twitter at, at RotoKyleNBA. Did you we forget appreciate my name? Joining us. No, I didn't. I just was gonna. I didn't know if I was gonna read your Twitter or just whatever. Bugger I'll leave off. You alone. I'm sorry. Bugger off, you bloke. Um, speaking of Twitter, you were blocked by someone over the weekend, and I feel like you have something you want to get off your chest here. Yeah. Uh, while I'm talking about it, I'm gonna try and screen share it if I can go find it. But uh, I, I don't even know if we can pull it up because, to be completely honest, he um, well, he blocked me. So there, there's a Spurs beat writer, Tom Orsborn, and uh, that's O-R-S born, uh, not Osborne. Anyways, I made, I'd, I'd been quote tweeting him a couple times during like news, news, news parts where he would report, you know, this, this starting lineups coming out. And I'd be like, why isn't Derek White or DeJounte starting together? And just stupid stuff like that. But it was never anything overly like uh, rude. And then I made or directed at him, seemingly. Huh? Right? It wasn't even anything. Any, none of it was directed at him. No, at, not at all. So it, I thought that he was blocking me because of that. Uh, but it wasn't that it wasn't that reason he blocked me. He blocked me because I made a dumb joke. So, um, yeah, that that's the most frustrating thing about the whole situation is the fact that, like, it wasn't because I was criticizing um, uh, Popovich or anything like that. It was just, he just, he got mad at me because I, I, I made a bet, a, a dumb joke about whether or not, man, I, we shouldn't have even talked about this until I had it pulled up. I'm sorry. I can't find <laughs> it right now, but if you go to my Twitter, I definitely was retweeting it. It was essentially, he said, uh, Patty Mills said that the team needed to like, you know, have their juice and lay it all out on the court. And then they were going to like, you know, get a good nap or whatever. And I turned that into a nuanced, dumb joke with, you know, puns and whatnot. And I used all the same terminology. It wasn't funny. And he still <laughs> blocked me. Like, it was a bad joke. It was just, I feel, I like, why are you blocking people when you can just mute them? You don't have to listen to them. You don't have to see what they say. You don't have to block me, man. I need to see his reporting for my <laughs> job, you know, and for doing the podcast and stuff. So. Yeah. 
Like I so need to see his opinion. Yeah. And now uh, you have a burner account that you'll be following him on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I yeah. definitely. Don't, I think everybody has another Twitter account that you can just kind of flip to, to like look at people who blocked you. That's right. Mine is uh, celebs for Froney. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know you were that popular. That's good. Yeah. That's right. All right. Worst segment um, out of the show so far. Sorry about that, people. Yes. No, I th- okay. I think we've covered most of the main news from the weekend. Should we talk about what happened so- and uh, wrap up some of the games we've had on yeah. this beautiful Sunday? Absolutely. So um, th- we had uh, eight games on Sunday, a p- fairly big slate here. Um, and not a lot of huge performances, though. So nothing like... You know, no 50-point performances from anybody. Paul George had 27. Kawhi Leonard had 34. Um, Nemanja Bialica tied his career high with 30 points in Sacramento's game against Dallas. Can I, can I say something about him? Yeah. Has anyone ever seemed so disinterested with basketball? You know, I think that might, like his his uh, his body language might have been a reason why he didn't play as much or as much as as much as he should have with the Timberwolves. That's a fair assessment. So that's so interesting. But you say that about somebody who, and his body language got him 30 points with four three pointers, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block. Is so, you know yeah. what? I bet it's just because he has like super high shoulders. Yeah, that, that is a part of it. But he also was the, I was watching the Kings broadcast and he was, of course, the player of the game. So he had the post game interview and it was just the same thing. There was very little emotion and, and, uh, kind of poor body language like he said oh he played uh you know he played 34 minutes he's probably a little bit tired and um yeah i I don't know i wouldn't wouldn't hang that on him too much plus he had the in the final play he had a little slip to the hoop and got an easy bucket i wish somebody would have posted a meme of the the lady underneath the hoop who was just kind of sitting there looking into the camera going what just (laughs) happened so um that was an interesting game though that the the sacramento and and dallas game absolutely it was the the Kings were up big for a lot of the game. Then they just couldn't get things going or couldn't get their shot to go in the fourth. Uh, the the Mavs chipped away, chipped away, ended up getting within two points, but just couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't seal it. Couldn't get uh, couldn't get back to actually you know push it to overtime or anything. And there's a lot of side stories going on in between these two teams. So last year you had the trade that put Harrison Barnes. On the Kings, uh, Josh Jackson, um, um, Justin, Justin Jackson. Sorry, and maybe was Yogi Ferrell in that trade? I guess I'm not really sure. But then, no, I, I, Yogi got traded or uh, signed this offseason, okay. I believe. Um, but also, aside from that, the Kings could have taken Luka Doncic and instead took Marvin Bagley, who was out this game. Yeah, yeah, that's actually uh, that. That's the. That's the what aboutism on on the with uh the Kings on that one. Look, Bagley's gonna end up being a good player. Um, everybody who didn't draft Luca was an idiot, and uh, that's just the way it is. There you go. Uh, a couple other interesting lines from the night: 
OG Ananobi finally had a big game, 19 points, 10 rebounds, four steals, one block. He'd been struggling of late. Uh, he got extra run, though, or more guaranteed run in this game because Fred Van Vliet left the Toronto and Philadelphia game with a knee contusion. After the game, we learned that Fred Van Vliet originally suffered this knee contusion in the previous game. He was he was only able to play 12 minutes in this one on Sunday, and then he's going to be questionable for Monday's game against Chicago. So hopefully Fred Van Vliet can get healthy because we just got Kyle Lowry back. We just got Serge Ibaka back for the Raptors. And I want to see how much they can maintain uh, their dominance from last season without Kawhi or at least contend for uh, that, that second or third spot in the East. Well, speaking of returns, we have some other potential returns coming up Monday night. Yeah. Um, so some interesting things for Monday, Gordon Hayward might be back. He's questionable for the Boston Celtics. He's of course been out with uh, a broken hand here for about a month now. Um, I already mentioned Fred Van Viet possibly returning. We still hope to see Derek Favors get back. The the Pelicans have really let him have as much time as he he's needed after the, the passing of his mother, and that's been awesome to see. It's always good to see people and organizations put people above you know the sport, this this game that the guys play. Um, probably the most exciting potential return, though. Uh, even though I, I should give proper uh, proper props to Gordon Hayward, is John Morant being probable for Memphis's game at the Golden State Warriors? The the Grizzlies ruled John Morant week to week just a week ago, and but I think that that label of well, it might be one week, it might be two weeks, it might be six weeks. I think that scared a lot of uh, John Morant fans. Uh, but yeah, having him probable for for Monday's game is is definitely. Uh, an exciting thing considering that's the last game of the night too. So a lot of people are going to be checking it out and it would have been way more boring without John Morant. Of course. Uh, one of the things I've been, that have been uh, one of the topics, I guess of the NBA so far has been ratings and with a lot of the retirements and injuries that have left us without plenty of our superstars or borderline superstars or entertaining players and top team top uh, players on teams we do have this really good crop of young guys from the last three drafts including this most recent one and they're not household names quite yet i think luca has has broken that barrier but a lot of these guys that maybe a lot of mainstream sports fans don't know um, or even a, a guy like De'Aaron Fox. But a lot of these guys are going to be household names a year or two from now. And I think that some of the issues about the talks of ratings will go away when we have more of our healthy superstars and this next crop of players gets to that next level. Uh, you know, somebody, I was watching a, a live stream uh, from somebody on Twitter, and I, I apologize, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was they were sharing the idea that because LeBron moved from the East coast to the West coast and Kawhi moved from the East coast to the West coast. Those guys are playing three hours later every night Mm -hmm. or so that might be a thing too, where it's like, you're just not getting those East coast viewers the same way that you used to for all the LeBron games and maybe a lot of the Kawhi games. Um, And you wonder if there's, there's maybe some other star players who made similar moves and the fact that the games are later at night for, for a lot of fans, you know, you are going to see fewer people maybe tuning in to, to certain, to certain games. Like I, you're definitely getting a lot less people watching. Um, 
I was trying to I was trying to make an argument, um, but, but maybe even Anthony Davis too. You know, he was central time yeah. zone, so sure. Yeah. Anyways, I think that makes sense, and and, and ultimately, I, I do just think it's all all this rating stock is ultimately a reflection of the transition from cable to streaming, yeah. and 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 then that's um you know I was listening to the Adrian Wojnarowski podcast with uh, Sam Presti, the the general manager from the the Oklahoma City Thunder. And there's a lot of interesting things shared there where they talked about some of those potential changes that we've talked about here on the podcast uh, coming to the NBA and and to get a current GM's perspective of a lot of things is is was a lot of fun. So I I'd encourage anybody who's you know turn us off go listen to that that uh, Sam Presti podcast. It's a it's a good one. All right. Well, thanks for the vote of confidence there, Kyle. Um, <laughs> is there anything big we need to know about for tomorrow? Uh, I mean, that was that was pretty much it. You know, we, we kind of covered the 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 bigger guy uh, guys who are returning. So that's that's all we're, we're really you know looking forward to in, in a lot of respects. I don't think there's any huge matchups for Monday night, which is kind of frustrating actually you know you look the clippers at indiana is an interesting matchup and it's the first game of the night but Kawhi leonard's going to be sitting this game out most likely so um i mean it's we 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 heard doc rivers say that one of the two stars is going to be sitting out and paul george already said he's going to play so <laughs> Kawhi's not playing on monday and that is of course that's what happens on back-to-backs Kawhi doesn't play in one of them he played on sunday had a great game that is what it is the gordon hayward potential return game you almost say to yourselves he's got to return in this game because it's against cleveland so you know why not bring him back against a a team that's not going to pose uh you know too much of an issue there and then the rest of the matchups they're all just kind of toronto at at chicago that's not too exciting you you'd expect toronto to beat the crap out of chicago uh then again chicago lost a close game on sunday so maybe they're amped both up to try to win one. Yeah, both teams coming off a of back to back. Um, the 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 Chicago Heat at Chicago Bulls versus Miami Heat game was a lot of fun on Sunday. Game of the day, game of the day for sure. Lowry Markinen uh, played really well. Had twenty points for the. Uh, third time in four games so a lot of those struggles we've seen from Lowry Markkinen seem to be kind of just falling to the wayside and now it's like what was everybody you know worrying about it was early in the season he was dealing with a a a chest issue or a torso injury like there were a lot of things that that you could look at and say oh that's why that's why Jim Boylan's his coach um other interesting things from this Miami Heat game, Tyler Hero was absolutely sensational. Uh, hit the go-ahead um, three-pointer, I believe, right? He had, yeah, and he had, yeah, he hit the go-ahead three-pointer. He hit the one that really sent them into overtime. He had 14 of 16 points at one time between the fourth quarter and overtime. Wow, I mean that's insane. Yeah, finished with his second highest mark of his NBA career, 27 points. He set his career high back on October 29th with 29. So, yeah, great game from Tyler Hero. It's a lot of fun to watch him. Still, you just you have this issue with the fact that like we can't expect these big performances or this much opportunity for Tyler Hero from from night to night this season because when the team is healthy and they have guys like Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow who are both out in the rotation, there's just there's just less opportunity for touches. Uh, the ball gets spread around more. Um, maybe that changes though. Maybe you know continued great performances because. Watching Tyler Hero play, as much as I want to look at his situation and go, the opportunity may not be there every night. You won't you, like watching him play. 
as a coach, I'm sure Spolstra is kind of thinking like, I kind of, I want the opportunity to be there every night for this guy. He's, he can make those big plays, even if he struggles all game. Him and Nunn are a really special rookie duo. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. That's a that's a really good backcourt. That's one of the uh, I think uh, the easiest teams to watch right now. And the continued growth of Bam Adebayo too is is so much fun. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler he's he's a frustrating player to watch at times because he'll he'll play the hero ball, but he'll also he he doesn't he doesn't really stop fighting. So it's hard to hard to criticize him too much for his on court right. play. To, uh, to wrap things up, let's uh, go through some of our comments here. Uh, Bucket Ninja earlier wanted to talk about uh, Rui Hachimura and his night. He said, uh, he is smooth, just added the Wizards to my pass pack. Yeah, no, he's continuing to play a ton of minutes. It's it's fun. Um, and I think we've both kind of expressed that we're fans of him. It's, yeah, you know, we like what he's shown so far. And, and I hope that he continues to find more comfort on the court or, uh, Consist and consistency. There you go. 17.7 rebounds, four assists tonight for Rui. Uh, Jack Mihoff was kind of talking about the Knicks and Mitchell Robinson talking about how he was held back with uh, Fisdale being the coach. You're hoping that things open up for Mitchell Robinson, hopefully as a starter, at least starters minutes, as long as he can keep his fouls in check. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that anybody realistically thinks Taj Gibson's going to hold the job all season. It, there will come a point where the Knicks make changes and i think one reason why we saw the same starting lineup in mike miller's first game is because he didn't have a opportunity to go through a practice with the team so he may have talked about certain uh sets that they were going to run or implement that that were different but it wasn't you know he wasn't going to put in a lot of new stuff so it was you weren't going to get a vastly different team in mike miller's first game and you're probably not going to get a vastly different team most of the season but there will absolutely i mean there has to come a time where tosh gibson gets taken out of that starting center spot mitchell robinson's given the you know uh, he had it last season already. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that he's not starting. It just, it's completely boneheaded. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, then we have uh, bucket ninja and okay. Fedge talking a little bit about the Chicago bulls. Okay. Fedge, I guess some of the comments here, fire Garpax, fire boiling, agreeing yeah. with us on that. Garpax obviously been an issue for quite a long time. Uh, a hot take of Kobe white over Tyler hero Two two of the hot young shooters <laughs> from this draft. That's, that's fun. Um, and then Buckingham also said that uh, Carter Jr. is having a nice year as well. So, yeah, I mean, even in a game on Sunday where Michael or Wendell Carter Jr. had just seven points, 10 rebounds, he played 40 minutes. I, he was out there because they needed his defense out there. They wanted his defense out there. And I think that's awesome. Um, you know, even when you see this line that may not be good for people who play fantasy to you got to recognize that, like the fact that Wendell Carter was leaned on so much that just shows again how important he is and this was with thaddeus young back back in action after sitting out the the last game with the, for personal reasons so boylan had other options in the front court to go with he was he was already leaning on lowry marketing for a ton of minutes in this one with uh i granted it you know it did go to overtime but um yeah no absolutely wendell carter can't a uh, huge fan of his and what he portends to be uh in the nba you know he's going to be Al Horford with probably a higher ceiling uh, when it's all said and done, which is a pretty dang great player. 
All right, folks. Well, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Any comments or feedback is always welcome. We want to hear what you guys like. We want to hear what you don't like. And uh, once again, thank you so much for checking us out. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here five days a week. I'm Anthony Denou. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Denou. He is Kyle McHugh, and you can find him at Roto Kyle NBA. That's thank you, the guys. Show. We'll we see love you tomorrow. You.